good afternoon, everybody. Uh, I'm Pierre Guillot, the, the head of the Linktailers French Foreign Investment Practice in Paris. Um, this is the third episode in our new Linktailers Global Foreign Investment Podcast series. Uh, throughout this series, Linktailers lawyers from across our offices will be joined by speakers from regulators around the globe to bring the view from across the table on topical issues and insights into what expects of reviews in their jurisdictions. If you have any thoughts or queries on the content of these podcasts, please do get in contact with a member of our global antitrust and foreign investment team to discuss how we can assist you and your organizations. Uh, today, I'm really pleased to be with Marianne Laverne, the head of the French Foreign Investment Bureau, and Clémence Larger, her deputy, to discuss the French regime and share views on how it operates. So, warm thanks for accepting to be with us. Um, and to kick, the, to kick things off, um, could you remind our listeners of the history of the French foreign investment rules, uh, since they've been applying in France for much longer than in a lot of other European jurisdictions? As, as, as you just said, uh, the French FDSC mechanism is quite old. And if I, if I may, I'd like to go over a bit of history of this mechanism with you. So the, the French mechanism uh, was created in 1966, uh, so it has been in place for 56 years. And originally it was only intended to cover um, defense-related activities. Uh, in 2014, um, there was a political milestone for uh, the uh, French mechanism and its scope uh, was extended to activities uh, which could be qualified as civilians activities uh, in comparison with the original um, defense-related activities. So by now, uh, foreign investments um, in activities, for example, essential for uh, the supply of energy, of water, um, the protection of public health or the R&D in some technology, some critical technologies uh, were, are, are, were covered by, uh, by the, the FDI screening. Uh, there were some minor changes uh, between uh, 2014 and 2019 in, uh, in the mechanism and the, the latest major political step in, um, for, for the French FDI screening mechanism is the Pact Bill. Uh, which came uh, into force in April 2020. Uh, these changes consisted in first um, further strengthening the FDI screening mechanism and in particular the sanction powers uh, of the minister in case of um, non-compliance uh, of the regulation and second uh, further extending uh, the scope of the, uh, the screening. Um, in all these historical developments this guiding principle was um, the protection of public security, public order, and uh, the interests of uh, national defense. The mere goal is therefore to protect um, activities located in France and which are critical for national interests. So by now, it appears that our mechanism has two main characteristics. The first one is agility, and um, in order to adapt to uh, new emerging risks, for example, very recently uh, to risks uh, uh, linked to uh, the health crisis. And this word agility means that the, there is enough flexibility within the current rules of the mechanism, um, and we do not foresee major changes in, the, in these rules um, as, as we favor legal certainty. And the second characteristic is transparency. This is really essential to give legal certainty to, to foreign investors um, and to allow France to remain attractive to, for foreign investors. And this is the reason why the last reform of uh, the, the FDI screening mechanism 
um, by, by the, the pact law has been accompanied by um, a, an increased focus on making this mechanism more readable for us stakeholders. We have published standard uh, notification files and FAQ, and we also plan to publish guidelines uh, by this uh, summer to clarify legal points in our regulations. Uh, for example, we can um, will address uh, the issue of uh, the screening of an investment made by um, an investment fund. Okay, interesting. Uh, I think that's yeah, that's been expected for uh, quite some time. Um, everybody will appreciate the clarity. Um, do you also intend in these guidelines to um, to issue guidelines on on how you view the different sectors or or just the the the, the technical legal issues around the, the the way the mechanism works? It will be really the technical issues, really legal issues for clarification. Okay. I think you know everybody, investment funds in particular will be, well, in particular welcome the the clarifications that they've been expecting for a few years, I believe. Um, so if we move on, uh, what is the the record of twenty twenty one in terms of filings, uh, and how are you uh, organized in practice to deal with the flow of requests? So we handled uh, 328 cases in 2021, so which represents um, 31% more cases than in uh, 2020. And to be even more precise in 2021, uh, 124 foreign investments uh, in sensitive activities in France were authorized and 64 of these authorizations were subject to mitigation measures in order to safeguard national interests. You can find all these figures uh, on the Treasury's website uh, in the first activity um, uh, detailed uh, annual report on the FDI screening mechanism were published so in, in 2021 and uh, this uh, annual report will be soon available in English. Um, in practice, uh, the processing of, um, of the files is uh, steered by my team in uh, the French Treasury, which also and also relies on uh, the expertise of an interministerial um, FDI uh, screening committee uh, composed of uh, 40 or so uh, members from governmental departments and agencies specialized in the sectors covered by our mechanism. Um, as you can imagine, the processing of, um, of files therefore represents a substantial uh, workload for my team and this committee. And uh, I, I would like to underline it and to greet it, uh, to greet it here. Um, it is also more uh, so as the regulatory timeframe for FDA screening in France is very short. Um, it is at a maximum 75 working days uh, compared to that of uh, other countries, which uh, is more than, uh, than three months. Um, so it is really a great challenge for us to, to deal with, uh, with all these cases. And so it's, it's almost one case one new case each day, uh, basically. Almost, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. Uh, working day. Working day, <laughs> okay. exactly. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of work. Um, and, and do you actually use the 75 days that often? Uh, because in our own experience, it's usually much faster than this uh, in practice. Uh, well, it depends on the case, uh, because uh, it depends on the, the, the technical aspects of, uh, of each file and uh, um, its characteristics, but uh, we really 
we never, in fact, we never uh, go over uh, the uh, 70, 75. Yeah, working days. Why? It's just because if we, if uh, the minister does not uh, issue any decision, as uh, the file is yeah. uh, rejected. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so w when you look at the at the French system and benchmark it against the, the, the system of other member states, um, how do you compare to the other member states in your view? Well, as you said earlier, the French mechanism is a bit older than some in other EU member states. Um, but however, we clearly witness um, growing convergence uh, between the characteristics of screening mechanisms within the EU and especially since the EU screening regulation came into force in 2019. Um, in any case, the decision remains in the hands of the host country, whether the investment should be cleared or denied. But we really have the feeling that the regulation helps building a common basis across the EU. So we can see that the ground rules are more or less the same in every member state thanks to this um, regulation that came into force in 2019. We see slight differences, however, when we take a closer look. For example, we share the general approach on the triggering of, of control. So wherever an investor acquires control over an entity, but there are some differences that remain as for the threshold of voting rights, for example, that triggers the control. And in France, we decided uh, to make the rule as clear, simple, and foreseeable as possible for foreign investors. So the threshold is set at 25% of voting rights to be acquired by a non-EU investor only. And this is regardless of the sector that is targeted by the investment. Also, in France, contrary to some other member states, we do not screen greenfield investments, being the creation of a company in France, since one of what we call the eligibility criteria is the existence of a sensitive activity. It's also interesting to note that in France, in line with Italy notably, which are among the several member states that spearheaded the regulation, we have a broader definition of what a foreign investor is. We screen investments from French nationals that are settled abroad, or from French companies having uh, intermediary entities outside France. There is also one very important point that we wanted to highlight today is the fact that we paid careful attention to the compatibility between deadlines at national and European levels, meaning that the assessment at EU level is actually included within the time frame for the national assessment. And one last thing on this benchmarking question is that the slight differences do not prevent us from having a converging approach, as we can see in practice, on the way we mitigate risk to national public order and security. We can really tell from the discussions we had since 2019 uh, on different specific transactions um, that the grid of analysis that is used by the member state screening FDI are very similar from a country to the other. Okay, thanks. You've touched on that um, just now, but how does it work in practice to apply the, the, the EU system on FDI screening? Do you, do you often get substantial comment from the other member states? Um, how do you see it working in practice and what's your, your assessment on the, on the mechanism? Well, something that is very important to remind the, the audience and to remember is that for member states having a screening mechanism in place, the core provision of the screening re regulation is Article 6. 
this article specifies that FDI transactions from extra EU investors must be notified to the European network, and this European network is made of the EU Commission's contact point, being DigiTrade, and of the Member States' contact points, usually located within the Ministries for Economy. And for France, I am the, the contact point uh, for the implementation of this screening regulation. From the moment the case is notified, the network has between 15 and 35 calendar days, calendar, that's important, uh, to assess the transaction and the risk that are attached to the notified transaction. Member States and the Commission can ask questions, this is forced by the regulation, to the notifying Member States or submit comments or an opinion. This is also forced by the regulation. Um, the content of the comments and opinion are not forced by the regulation, but we use it on a very frequent basis to share information with the screening Member States. For example, regarding the background of the investor or to share risks that are identified with regards to the notified transaction. We really feel like the dialogue between Member States and the Commission is one of the key points that was made possible by this regulation. And something very important to us is that all Member States actually take part in the exchange of, the, of good practices. Uh, in a nutshell, it turned out to work really well, this cooperation mechanism. It gives, a, it gives us a clearer overview of FDI transactions within the EU and it also helped us on a national basis to further identify transactions that will be subject to FDI screening in France at a very early stage. When you say they have, uh, the, the, you have between 15 and 35 working days uh, to, to get the comments, how does that work in practice? Uh, how do you combine it with, with our own 55 working days? Uh, is, is it, um, the, the, does it depend on whether you move to phase two review, uh, the, the 15 and 35, or is it, uh, did you ever have, have a case where you know, someone made last minute comments or comments after you've actually already authorized the investment? No, no, in, in any case, uh, we reserve all right whenever there is an extra EU investor to notify the case to the European network. So this is why we systematically, systematically ask for the notification form to be filled. And usually we notify the case to the European network very shortly after the case is filed with us at national level, pursuant to all legislation. And there are two phases that are forced by the, the regulation. So in most of the cases, as the figures showed in the Commission's first annual report, cases are closed in phase one. But it happens that when there are additional questions to be tackled or that comments and opinions have to be submitted, we open a phase two of 20 more calendar days. But this is not very usual. It's only to, when we need to focus on more specific cases, more sensitive cases as well. Um, so after over a year uh, of practice, what's your first assessment of the EU cooperation mechanism? Well, we were glad to see that it only took a few months for the cooperation mechanism to really take off. And uh, the functioning of the EU cooperation mechanism proved to be very satisfactory over the past 18 months. We have now reached a cruising speed. And numbers show that um, there is a strong activity of five member states, including France, with over 400 cases notified, 
um, from the end of 2021, we can see that more and more member states take a very active role in feeding the mechanism. Uh, as of today, 15 member states have now notified at least one case since October 2020, and many others are in the process of setting up a national screening mechanism. Um, but if we look beyond the numbers, we can note that the implementation of the mechanism really also helped spreading a common FDI screening culture across the EU, not only at authorities level, but also throughout the stakeholders community. Uh, we had many calls, emails from investors and lawyers that were very interested and eager to learn more about the functioning of the mechanism. In, particularly when, in particular, when they notify a transaction in member states, and wonder whether FDI screening also applies in France. Um, it is no secret, but there, there will be a second annual report from the Commission. We don't know yet when it should be published, but it will come soon to us. Um, and we can see, speaking of the Commission, that beyond the implementation of the screening regulation, it reacted very fast, both after the COVID breakout and the armed aggression of Ukraine by Russia to remind member states of the importance to have a full-fledged screening mechanism in order to better protect our common interests, and also in order to overcome the crisis more smoothly. And more generally, uh, and I'll end on this, uh, we strongly support the creation of full-fledged screening mechanisms in every member state, as well as the active participation of all member states in the EU screening cooperation mechanism. So if, if we move on to uh, enforcement, uh, generally speaking, our own experience is that the, the, the French system is well accepted and that the level of compliance is high generally. But have you had to face cases of unreported transactions uh, that should have been notified? Yeah, so, so first of all, uh, I, I can confirm that uh, the French FDI screening mechanism seems to be well known by stakeholders. We put a lot of uh, effort on communication um, around our mechanism and on setting, setting up sorry, communication channels with, with uh, stakeholders. Um, and I would like to emphasize here um, the high quality um, of these uh, interactions. Um, nevertheless, of course, uh, we, it can happen that we face uh, unreported transactions. And in that cases, uh, it's important to remind that um, if a foreign direct investment is made without prior authorization by the Minister of Economy, the investment is um, deemed null, null and void, and the investor is exposed to sanctions. Uh, these sanctions can be very harsh because um, they can go as far as ordering the investor uh, to divest or to sell the acquired um, business. So this is quite disincentive for um, to fraud, in fact. And in France, we uh, and in France, means that are in place to detect and report in transactions, internal means uh, within. Uh, the French government, but also through the uh, EU um, cooperation mechanism, as Clemence uh, mentioned it a few minutes ago. And means are also in place to help avoiding the situation by, uh, when an investor does not know, in good faith, that its investment should have been screened. Um, we have set up a procedure by which the foreign investor can, can seek an opinion from the Minister of Economy in order to confirm whether um, a French entity's activities for within the scope of the FDI screening mechanism. And then, then uh, whether an investment targeting this entity should require prior authorization by this uh, 
the, the Minister of Economy. This provides more certainty and predictability for, for the foreign investor and uh, helps uh, preventing unreported transactions. And how, how many of that, that kind of what we call the rescri procedure in France, how, how many of those do you receive every year? Do you have an idea? In 2021, 41 uh, files were investigated. Okay, and I think we're nearing the end. So if we exchange roles for a second, um, is there any question you'd like to ask to, to another stakeholder from across the table? Yes, is a, a good question. So um, perhaps as we see more and more countries, uh, even within the EU, uh, setting up uh, the, the FDI screening mechanism, is there, is there an impact on your practice as, a, as lawyers or, um, and on the way foreign investors plan the investments? Uh, yes, clearly. Uh, it's, it's become a, a very important part of, of, of uh, transnational deals. Uh, so very often it's, it's something we, we look at at, the very, at a very early stage of transactions, especially when on the, the sell side, uh, to, to try and identify where there could be roadblocks. Um, uh, that, that's the, the, that depends a, a bit uh, the, the, on the sector, but uh, especially when you're trying to sell defense assets, for example, that's something you'll be looking at uh, from the very, very beginning because you're, you're going to have to go speak with the authorities to, to determine what kind of investors you can look at uh, to, to try and sell the, the, your defense business, whether you're going to have to carve out the, the, the defense business, for example. So that, that's a very... That's a very important aspect of, of, of transnational deals, um, and but but it, uh, the the it, it's uh, it's more and more um, common, uh, so more and more easy to 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 deal with because uh, you know all investors take it as the new normal. Uh, so a few years ago, it it was a bit harder because people. Uh, were were not used to it, and now it's it's they're getting accustomed to it. Like they got used to, uh, to 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 antitrust uh, clearances, for example. So it's um, I think it's it's uh, it's it's important, but it's it's becoming uh, a normal part of the of the process. So it's it, uh, hopefully it will be streamlined in the future. Clemos, anything else? <laughs> No, thank you. No, uh, thanks a lot. Uh, and thanks for doing this in English. Uh, that's very appreciated and being with us today. And, uh, and see you soon. Thank you very see much you for the invitation. Thank you.